0: Good morning, y'all. See, y'all always do so much better than first service. They're like, good morning. Maybe it's because it's at 9 o'clock and they're not quite awake yet and y'all have had a little bit more sleep, so good morning. How are y'all this morning? Good. Well, I want to tell you a couple of things. First of all, I want to tell you about something that's happened in this Saturday. This Saturday, there is an event here at South Point called Gather. Now, it's not necessarily a South Point-owned event, but it is an event where women from all across the county and across the the tri-state area actually come together, worship together, get some great teaching there'll be some great vendors that you can do some shopping. Everybody always loves some shopping and we're going to have lunch by Chick-fil-A so I want you to make sure that you get tickets. If you don't have tickets to that already, we are hosting it this year. so I would really love for all of South Point to show up and just really show how much we enjoy being with our community. So if you haven't already done that, make sure you get online and do a ticket you can or you can scan the code. Actually, if you go in the bathroom and look on the stall door, there's a sign in there, and you can take as you can scan a picture of that, or you can go to their website and sign up. It's going to be a great time. Um, the other thing I want to tell you is, um, I'm not Pastor Craig, by the way, in case you're wondering, he doesn't normally wear sandals. He does have white pants, but he doesn't have sandals. But um, he is in Washington this weekend with Pastor Ken Hubbard, speaking at Radius Church. He spoke last night and he's speaking again this morning. So that is where he is, so you get me this morning. So I'm excited to be here with you guys. I'm excited to talk about it. We're gonna continue the talk that we've been talking about. We've been talking about roots, being rooted in the right things, being, being what God has created us to be and what God has called us to be. Now how many of you grew up with a farmer in your family? And I don't mean like, it didn't necessarily have to be a big farm. You're, you could possibly have grown up like I did with grandparents that had a vegetable garden, right? They had some, some peas and some okra and some squash and like every kind of tomato you could possibly imagine because we needed every kind of tomato possibly you could imagine, maybe some corn or whatever. Now, my grandparents were really good at planting a garden and were really good at tending a garden. They were really good at pulling weeds because they had grandchildren who were way shorter than they were. And I thought that was, really, that was really wrong when I was the grandchild that was pulling the weeds, but now that I'm 50, I'm thinking slave labor was not such a bad idea because it's a long way to the ground, and it's a long, it's much longer up, uh, having to get back up off the ground after you've been down there pulling the weeds. So slave labor is definitely something that I experienced when I was little. We used to, My cousin and I used to pull weeds. Um, and actually, well, but that wasn't necessarily, we didn't do the pruning. We didn't do the cutting back or the taking care of the plants. We just pulled the weeds. But we're going to talk about pruning today. And the best example that I got, the best example that comes to my mind when I think about pruning is Craig and I went to Italy. Um, we went to visit our daughter church in Italy, and we actually were going to speak at two, speak on two different weekends at two different churches, so we had a few days in the middle. So we did what all great Americans do when they go Italy. They, they rent, We rented a car in Rome, and we drove to Tuscany and spent about three days in a, in a farmhouse at a vineyard in Tuscany. And it was awesome. It was beautiful. It was peaceful. It was gorgeous. They had a really nice pool. The water was freezing, but it was a really nice place to hang out. And one of the things that Craig did while we were there, because he's just like a nerd. He loves to learn everything about everywhere we go. He went on a tour of the actual vineyard, and then went through a tour of how they actually make the wine and he told me all about it when he got back and it was really interesting it was really cool now it was also very early in the morning yet another reason why i did not get up and do it because you know me my, my greatest spiritual gift is sleeping and i don't do early mornings but he really enjoyed it and he came back and he was telling me all about how the the vintner and the the guy who takes care of the of the vines really got, he told, he explained to him how there was a pruning process that had to happen. A pruning process that had to, when you, when you looked at the rows, we saw this again in California. We were in California a couple of weeks ago for another meeting, and we happened to be in the Sonoma, Napa Valley area, and there's nine, over 900 vineyards in those two counties. So we drove by a lot of them, and you would just see rows and rows and rows of the most pristine perfectly manicured rows of grape, of, of grape vines. And I remember him talking about how they would have to keep everything cut up off the ground. The, the leaves, the vines, and certainly not the grapes could touch or get close to the ground. There were all different kinds of reasons that they needed to do that. So we really learned about the pruning process in that when we were talking about that and when we were, when we were there. They, but they get their grapes to produce some of the best wine in the world. The vineyards there were pristine. Every row was symmetrical. Every vine trimmed. Not a single thing was touching the ground or even close. It was amazing to see. And When I see vineyards like this, it kind of reminds me, because I grew up in church, it kind of reminds me of a scripture out of John 15, which is where we're going to be reading today. That's in your notes. I'm going to read to you. We're going to start with verse 1. I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Now, if you've got a pen, I want you to underline that, lifting and propping up. When you think about pruning, this it shows in this verse that there's a two-step process to pruning. First, you have to lift up and prop up the fruitless branches. What Jesus is saying here is it's the farmer's job To prop up those that haven't started producing yet. They haven't had that opportunity to produce yet. Maybe it's a really young vine that's not produced anything yet. Or maybe it's a vine that has had some kind of damage. And it needs to be propped up and taken care of because it's not producing fruit. I'm going to interject something right here. Who does this scripture say the farmer is? Does Does it say the farmer is us? No. Does it say the farmer is the church? Who does he say the farmer is? God. God is the farmer. It is God's job to lift and prop up those who are not producing, not ours. He is a loving Father who tends carefully to those who are not producing for one reason or another. How many of you have, have seen where people are just, they cut people off because they don't act like they think they should act? Or they don't sin like we sin they might do something that I would never do. So I just have to cut them off. That's not our place. Let God be the farmer. Let God be the one to take care of the vine. Let God be the one to take care of those who are hurting, who maybe don't even have a relationship with him yet, who haven't been connected to the right vine yet. Or they were connected to the right vine, but there's something tragic that has happened, some kind of hurt some kind of something that has hurt them, broken, the, the broken what it was that was helping them to produce, and they're not producing. Maybe they just need to sit and heal for a while. Let God do the propping up. Let God, do the, let God do the work of getting them back to a healthy state. That's not our job. It's not our job to point it out. It's not our job to take care of it. Let God do his work. The second step, and um, th- this is the one that kind of always confused me as a kid. I, when I was, I've never understood this, this process. But the second one is that those are, that are producing, they have to be pruned as well. That's the second step to that pruning process. The ones that are producing have to be, pr- have to be pruned. The winemaker in Italy des- described it like this. He explained that the leaves and the vines and even the grapes have to be cut away sometimes to make the vine healthier. They have taken years. There are whole generations of families that this is all they have ever done is learn how to take care of vines and learn how to take care of vineyards. So they know what to do. They know which vine it is. They know which leaf it is. They know which bunch of grapes it is that needs to be removed to make the vine healthier. What does that look like in our world? Maybe you go to work one day and all of a sudden, your job's in jeopardy. Maybe you have had this plan in your life. Maybe you've had this plan in your mind for how your life is supposed to go, but it just never seems to happen that way. Every time you get close to getting it, every time you you see, oh wow, wow, now it's actually gonna work out. Now it's actually gonna come to fruition. This plan that I've placed in in my mind is what's supposed to happen for me. It's finally gonna happen and then it's taken away. Or maybe you have a friendship. You have that person that you thought would never, ever leave you. Maybe they even said, I will never leave you. We will be friends forever. You can count on me, I've always got your back. But then you wake up one day and they're gone. They don't have your back anymore. They don't have what it takes to be a friend anymore. None of, these sound, none of these things sound fun, but I want you to think about it. Is it possible that this is actually a pruning process? Is it possible that maybe God has a better job for you? Is it possible maybe that God has a better plan for you than the one you had in your mind? Is it possible that maybe God has a different and better set of friends than the ones that you had originally chosen? Maybe it's a pruning process. Doesn't make it any more fun, but just know that on the other end of this pruning process, if you allow him to do it, things are going to be so much better. Let's keep reading. In verse 4, it says, For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I, and this is Jesus talking, and the sprouting vine, and you are my branches, as you live in union with me as your source. I want you to underline that. As your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. So where does the vine get its, where does the vine get its nutrients? Where does the vine get, its, get what it needs to actually be able to produce those grapes? It's source, it's source. The key is if to a fruitful vine is living in union with Jesus as our source. Not our job, not our plan, not our friendships, but Jesus as the source. He continues in verse seven. But if you live in life union with me and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it'll be done. Now, that's a pretty hefty promise. That's a pretty hefty promise for him to make. Anything you desire, whatever you desire, I'll make it happen. How is that possible? How is it possible that you can actually ask for anything that you desire, and he'll make it happen? If we're in union with Jesus, who is the divine, we will only be producing the fruit that he would produce. In Tuscany, they're famous for several kinds of wine. Um, But the difference between the wines, you know how they're differentiated? The kinds of grapes. The kinds of grapes. If we're in complete union with Jesus, we will only produce what he produces. He will be able to fulfill whatever we desire because being rooted in him places those desires there. He can give you whatever your, des- whatever your desire because he's the one who originally, it, everything's coming from the source. And if everything is coming from the source, then your desires are gonna be his desires. The fruit that you produce is gonna be the fruit that he would produce. He's producing it through you. So then how easy is it to turn around and go, yeah, you can have that. I want you to have it all along. I'm the one who gave you the desire to do that. I'm the one that gave you the desire to live that way. I'm the one that gave you the desire to want to do that thing. So sure, go for it. When we used to teach um, parenting classes, we used to teach parenting classes when our kids were younger, and um, one of the things that we taught parents of toddlers specifically is, toddlers do not need options. They do not need to tell you yes or no. When you ask your toddler, what would you like for breakfast? You're opening yourself up to them asking for a peanut butter and jelly and sugar sandwich for breakfast. Or, they're ask, or you're opening them up to ask for something just random that you're not going to give them. So when you're raising toddlers, I'm just going to give you this little point right here. When you're raising toddlers, you can say, would you like to have oatmeal or eggs for breakfast? Knowing good and well, you don't care if they choose either one of those because both of them are good for them. Both of them are okay with you, so you say, Can you, would you like oatmeal or eggs? Not, what do you want for breakfast? Here's your two choices, choose from them because I'm okay with you having them both. That's kind of how God is. He goes, hey, would you like to do this or this? Knowing full well that he's fine with either one. And because he's fine with either one, when you ask for one of them, and you, and you take that desire and you make it your own, it's easy for him to turn around and go, sure, you can have oatmeal. That's what I wanted you to have anyway. Sure, you can have eggs. That's really good for you. You see what I'm saying? He places those desires in your heart, so it's real easy. If you're connected to him, if you're in union with him, if you're already producing the things that he's producing through you, it's real easy for him to fulfill the desires of your heart. You can fill this in on your note sheet. He only prunes. Jesus and God, they prune. The branches produce the fruit. The branches produce the fruit. It is the branch's job to produce fruit. But we produce what it is that he's placed in us. We produce what it is, that, that seed that he's put inside us even before we were born. Jump down to verse 16. You didn't choose me, but I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world and bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my Father for my sake, he will give it to you. Once again, same thing. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. Love one another deeply. What does loving one another deeply look like? You can walk around out here in the lobby and people walk by you and go, hey, good morning. And you can, hey, good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm good. You can put that smile on and you can say I'm fine and you can say everything's great. But let your best friend walk up to you. And they don't even have to ask, how are you today? Because they can tell by the look on your face, the countenance, how you're standing, how you're sitting. They can tell that something's wrong. Why? Because they love you deeply. They don't love you superficially. They don't love you just on the surface. They love you deeply. They know you. And that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to love one another deeply. He doesn't want us to just have surface relationships with one another. He doesn't want us to be on the vine with somebody that we just kind of know or somebody that we just speak to at the grocery store. He wants wants us to be on the vine with people who we love deeply and who we know what's going on in their lives. We can tell by the look on their face when things are not great because we love them deeply deeply. That was his part and command. That was the biggest thing he wanted you to do. Love and love deeply. Now I can hear some of you in here saying, yeah, I tried that and I am not going back there. I loved deeply. I gave my heart to someone. I gave my life to someone and they stomped on it and walked out. I know it's hard. Trust me, I know it's hard. It's painful to allow somebody into your life, to bring somebody in and let them eat at your table, to let them get to know you, to let them get to know your kids, and then they walk away. It's painful. But you know what? That's still the pruning process as well. It doesn't mean we get to stop loving deeply. Love is deeply. Be in relationship with somebody that knows everything about you. Don't let there be a secret in your life that somebody in this world doesn't know. That'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. Love deeply. What's this parting command? Love one another deeper, not superficially, not when we just agree on everything which I don't know who you have that maybe agrees with you on everything, but if you do, then that person is a liar, <laughs> right? You're not going to totally agree with anybody on everything. Maybe, maybe, um, okay, well, you can love deeply, but only if they vote the same as you. You can love deeply, but only if they look like you. You can love deeply, but only if they go to the kind of church that you go to. You can love deeply, but only if they ha- believe the same thing about the vaccine as you do. Come on, y'all. No, he didn't list any of those things, but he didn't list any of those things because there weren't none of those things. He just said, "Love deeply." When those things are being removed from your lives, the, the jobs, the friends, the influence, whatever it is, it's a sign. this is the good, this, is the good news right here. It's a sign. Because what does the scripture say? He prunes those who are bearing fruit. So if you're having that stuff pruned off of you, it's a good thing. That means that you're bearing fruit. But do you know what else? It also means that you have more potential to bear bigger and better and more fruit. And he doesn't want you to just bear the little tiny stuff. He wants you to produce some really big, awesome things in your life but it's going to take some pruning to make that happen. Why would we choose to only produce some of what it is that God placed in us? And in California, like I said, there's like 900 and something um, vineyards where, where we were in those two counties that we were in. Now, some of them are the vineyards that produce Welch's grape juice. They produce Welch's grape juice in, in California. Then I also had an opportunity to see some wine that was $300 a bottle produced just across the road. You know what the difference is? They work a lot harder on that $300 a bottle grape juice and wines and vineyard than they do on the one that produces grape juice that a three-year-old can drink. Now, is grape juice good? Yeah, grape juice is good. It's good to drink grape juice. We use grape juice for communion. My kids drank grape juice growing up. But when given the opportunity, do you want to produce something that just everybody has or do you want to produce something special? Do you want to produce something that only you have the opportunity to produce? It takes a little more work. It takes a little more pruning. It takes a little more cutting away, and no, that's not fun, but God has something so big inside of you that he wants you to be able to produce. Would he be happy if you were, if you were a Welch's grape juice grape? Absolutely, but he knows that you're a $300 bottle of wine grape, and he wants you to produce that awesomeness that he's placed inside of you. So how do, we prec- how do we recognize this pruning? What does it look like? How do you know that, it, they, that the pruning is happening? I want you to write this down. Relational living with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're going to know the wine dresser and the vine dresser. We will know the one that we're allowing to do the pruning. You're going to be in relationally living with the Father, who is the farmer, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they are going to do the pruning you're gonna know it's them. The Bible tells us several stories about Jesus getting away and he would go away to pray and he would go away to, to have time to, 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 to be alone with the Father. Sometimes he would go into the wilderness but sometimes he would go into a garden. Probably the most famous one is the night that, the night that he was arrested, he was in a garden and he was by himself. And Jesus, I imagine he was sitting on a rock and he felt that pruning happening. He felt the pruning was coming. He knew it was coming. I'm going to ask you this. How many of you watched The Chosen? How many, if, you haven't watched the, if you haven't watched The Chosen, you should because it's a really, really, really good story. We were watching an episode the other night and I had never thought about this. It was an episode where they were going into this town and as they walked into this town, there were three guys hanging on crosses outside the city. And I thought, Craig and I were both were like, I had never thought of it, of course, you know, he's a theologian, so he's talking about these kind of things, but I had never thought about the fact that that was a normal thing, for them to walk by people hanging on a cross. How many times had Jesus walked by somebody hanging on a cross and thought, that's going to be me one day, that I'm going I'm to have to do that one day? So he knew this pruning was coming. He knew it was there, but you know what he asked? God, do you have a plan B? Is there any other way that we can make this all happen without me having to do that? Even Jesus wanted a plan B when the pruning was coming. So it's okay to not enjoy the pruning. It's okay to not enjoy what's going on in your life and the things that are being pruned out of your life to make you produce what it is that you wanna produce. But you know what Jesus knew? He knew in his heart of hearts that there was only a plan A and he was it. He knew that he had to be pruned off of this earth physically for the gospel to go forth, for the church to grow, but most importantly, for us to be right in, back in relationship with our Heavenly Father. He knew that he was the plan A. Didn't keep him from asking for a plan B. But he knew he was plan A because the pruning was difficult. We need pruning to produce more fruit and better fruit. Maybe we'll call it God fruit. There's good fruit and there's God fruit. The best grapes make the best and most coveted wine. How many of you know the difference between Boone's Farm and something that costs $300? (laughs) Personally, I know the difference. (laughs) Not the same. Not even close. Not even close. We need to be producing more fruit. You can write that down. We need to be producing more fruit. We need to be producing God fruit, not just the good fruit that we feel like we can produce on our own. Producing fruit. That, that brings me to Galatians 5. This is where the list of the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, are listed. Now, when I was growing up, I was taught that there were the fruits of the Spirit, But I'm going to read this scripture to you, and you're going to find out that that's not the case. Because it says, But the fruit, not with an S, produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love. In all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Now when I was growing up, I was taught that there was a list of the fruits of the spirit. But that scripture says that there is one fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is divine love. And when we divinely love someone, all of those other things are just going to be natural fruit that's going to come out. All those other things are going to be naturally happening because we have love. Love is what produces all of those other things. And the fruit of the Spirit is not a gift. You can write that down. The fruit of the Spirit is not a gift, but rather fruit that is produced from a surrendered lifestyle. Fruit is not a gift. Fruit has to be produced. It has to come from somewhere. Now, there are the gifts of the Spirit, which are listed in the Bible in a a totally separate list. Those are the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts are given. Fruit is produced. You can walk in all the gifts of the the Spirit that you want to, but I can guarantee you, you're not going to walk in them until you know how to do the fruit, until you have the fruit of the Spirit producing out of your life. Or at least not to the awesome and incredible amount that you could. When you divinely love, deeply love, pruning doesn't sound fun at all. In fact, I'm pretty sure if a grapevine could talk, it would scream out and yell, "Please don't do this to me!" (laughs) But how many of us have done that? Please don't do this to me. Please don't take them from me. Please don't take this job from me. God, please don't. Please, please don't take this dream that I have. So, what do we do instead? How do we embrace the pain of pruning? You can embrace the pain of pruning. You do that by abiding in the vine. That's the last of that verse. You abide in the vine. You abide abide in the vine that feeds you, you abide in the vine that placed the fruit on your branches to begin with, you abide in the vine that will keep you healthy as you produce what he has placed in you. Craig talked a couple of weeks about the acorn and how the acorn actually has every bit of the DNA that it needs to be a a tree when it's still an acorn. It's the same with 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 the gifts of the Spirit. God has placed that acorn of love inside of you. And when you decide to break off the shell and let it out, then Those other trees, those other fruits, all of those things can come out. But only when you are completely and totally still attached to the original body. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot unconditionally love anybody without Christ. I don't believe that. I don't believe that you can unconditionally love your spouse without Christ. Because you don't know what unconditional love really looks like unless you know Christ. You don't know what unconditional love looks like until you know the man who sat there and said, is there a plan B? No? Okay. I'll go with plan A. I'll do it. I love them that much. They matter that much to me. I'll go through it. And what can you expect when you actually allow this pruning process to happen? a bountiful harvest of all these things that you didn't even know were inside of you. All of these gifts and all of these wonderful fruits that are inside of you. And what is fruit for? Is fruit to sit in a bowl? Is fr- I mean, I have a fruit bowl on my, on the, on the, on my kitchen, count, on my table in my kitchen, and yes, we put fruit in it and it goes bad and we throw it away because, you know, that's what everybody does with the fruit bowl. But what is it supposed to be for? It's supposed to be there to eat. What are you producing because you allowed the pruning to happen that can feed somebody else? It's not just for you. It's to feed somebody else. If you want to bow your heads, I'm going to just pray. you're in this place and you're like, I don't have a clue what she's talking about. This whole fruit thing is just weird. And I'm not a grapevine, and I don't even like grape juice. But I know that I'm not connected the way I need to be connected. I know that I'm not tied into this vine that she's talking about. I want to introduce you to the vine. and His name is Jesus. And I want to introduce you to the farmer. And his name is God the Father. And he is going to prop you up. And he is going to take care of you. I can see the picture of my grandfather walking around with those tomato cages. And he'd find a tomato plant that was kind of leaning over and not doing so good. And he'd go in and carefully place this cage around it. And put all all the tomato plant inside so that it had this support system around it to help it to grow. So if you don't have your support system, if God is not your support system, then I want to give you that opportunity to to find that support system today. Or maybe you're a a plant that used to produce and, and everything used to be good and you used to do some really great things for God, but golly, there's some hurtful things that have happened. People have hurt you. enemy would tell you that the church has hurt you. The church didn't hurt you. People hurt you because the bride of Christ would never hurt anybody. But people have hurt you and you've decided it's just not worth it. I'll just sit back here and just be a plant. I'll just be a green vine. I don't care if I ever produce another thing. But you know down deep that God has still placed things in you that are to feed others. You still have fruit inside of you that is just dying to get out so that you can feed somebody else. So God, for those two people, Lord, for those that have never had that relationship with Jesus, I pray that today, God, that that, that could happen. They could realize that they're disconnected. They're completely disconnected. They're just a vine laying on the ground not connected to any kind of source or they're connected to the wrong source completely. They're a vine growing on a tree, on an apple tree. Apples grow on trees, not on vines. Find the right source. God, I pray that you help them to find the right source. And Lord, for those that have been hurt by people and relationships and all kinds of things, because we live in a broken and fallen world, God, I pray that you just come alongside of them. Place that cage around them. Place those those supports around them. Bring somebody next to them that can help hold them up until they can start producing what it is that you've placed inside of them to produce, until they've healed, until those broken vines have been healed, those broken places have been fixed. And God, for those of us who are producing, but we still feel this pruning, Lord, help us to embrace the pruning. Embrace the fact that there is more that you have for us. Embrace the fact that there is so much more that we could be producing. But it might take some, some painful pruning. God, I pray that you start in my heart and in every heart that's in this place to prune away those things that are keeping us from producing the things that we have inside of us that are meant to feed someone else. Lord, we thank you that you have been such a gracious father today. You're such a tender vine dresser. You're such a tender and loving father. And we ask you to just farm us, take care of us, help us to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. I just wanted to let you know there are some people down front, some guys and some girls that if you were like, yeah, that's me, that first part of that prayer, and you thought, you know what, that's me. I'm, I'm not connected. I'm not connected to the right thing. I'm not connected to the right mind. I'm not connected to anything at all. And I'd like to do that they would be more than happy to walk through that with you and pray with you. And There's a book down there called Fresh Start. It just kind of gives you some first steps on maybe what you need to do to get God to heal you and to connect you to the right vine. Or if if there's other things that that have gone on in your life and you just want somebody to pray about those, they would be great people to do that with you as well. So if you guys want to stand. There's also communion elements down there. If you are a follower of Christ and you'd like to take communion, we have communion down there. You can do that. If you want to do that um, by yourself or with your family, that'd be great. We would love for you to do that. So um, we'll say the benediction, then we'll get out of here for today. So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, God, let them be acceptable in your sight because you are our Lord, you are our strength, and you are our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. See you guys next week.